The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the eighth chapter. Then Jesus and his disciples arrived at the country of the Gerasenes, which is opposite of Galilee. As he stepped out on land, a man of the city who had demons met him. For a long time, he had worn no clothes, and he did not live in a house, but in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he fell down before him and shouted at the top of his voice, What have you to do with me, son of the most high God? I beg you, do not torment me. For Jesus had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. For many times it has seized him. It was, he was kept under guard and bound with chains and shackles, but he would break the bonds and be driven by the demon into the wilds. Jesus then asked him, what is your name? He said, legion, for many demons had entered him. They begged him not to order them to go back into the abyss. Now there on the hillside, a large herd of swine was feeding and the demons begged Jesus to let them enter these so he gave them permission. Then the demons came out of the man and entered the swine, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and was drowned. When the swine herd saw what had happened, they ran off and told it in the city and in the country. Then the people came out to see what had happened. And when they came to Jesus, they found the man from whom the demons had gone, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid." Those who had seen it told them how the one who had been possessed by demons had been healed. Then all the people of the surrounding country of the Gerasenes asked Jesus to leave them, for they were seized with great fear. So he got into the boat and returned. The man from whom the demons had gone begged that he might be with him, but Jesus sent him away, saying, return to your home and declare how much God has done for you. So he went away, proclaiming throughout the city how much Jesus had done for him. This is the gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Welcome, everyone. Uh, this morning, we're going to be thinking a little bit about VBS. If you haven't met me yet, my name is Pastor James Demmel. I'm the new pastor for youth and outreach here at St. John's. And most recently, I was the games leader at Red Rock Recreation at our vacation Bible school. We had a great celebration of that at our 927 service, and we had a great slideshow of uh, some of the songs and some of the uh, kids and a bunch of different pictures of all the different things that we're doing. We'll have to make sure we get that on the internet for you all to see as well. We welcomed 140 uh, Vacation Bible School campers, and we had 40 people volunteer. So if you were one of those folks who spent some time this week with our kids volunteering, thank you, thank you, thank you so much um, for what you did. You made an impact. Um, in their lives. We had a wonderful week together. One other note I want to make before I begin in earnest here is that this is the first green Sunday that we have had since we have, since Lori and I have started at St. John's. And so today we are in our green matching stoles. And I want to offer again a word of thanks for the congregation for blessing us with these. It's good to, it's good to be here. Good to wear them. Will you pray with me? Faithful and all loving God, we give you thanks for the ways you ground and root us in your love. Bless us today with your presence. Give us the patience and the courage to share your love with our children and all whom we meet. O oh God, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable to you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. 
I'd like to start this morning by asking you all to take a few seconds to dig down real deep and to think about the first memories you made as a child. Think all the way back to the first things you can remember. And while you're thinking about that, I'll share some of mine with you. And the ones that came to mind for me this week are a bit random, but they fit some of the themes of the day. My first memory is me of about two or three years old just being in a car seat at night. It was at the intersection of Laura Duncan Road and US 64 in Apex, right by Apex High School, if you're familiar with that corner of the world. I don't know why that one stuck in my brain, but that's the first one I can think of. Another memory. My dad accusing me of coloring on the walls of our house as a young child and me lying, trying my best to deny it. I also remember the accompanying pop or two that he gave me after that one. Maybe that's why that one stuck in my brain. Happy Father's Day, Dad, if you're watching online today. Another memory. I remember a hot summer day at what was my first vacation Bible school at Apex First Baptist Church. I can't remember the theme of that vacation Bible school or the verse, or I can't even remember my leaders' faces, but what has stuck in my brain all these years later is making a craft, gluing together some building blocks that had letters on the front of them that spelled out, I heart Jesus. And I still have that craft around somewhere. It's going to eventually make its way into my desk in my office once I find it in one of the many boxes I've yet to unpack. The point I want to make this morning is this. From our earliest days, the stories we hear, the things that we do, they can form strong impressions on us. They can shape our horizon. They can influence how our personalities develop. They can determine our capacity for relationship. Recent research suggests that the earliest we can form lasting memories is two and a half years old. Two and a half One other insight that I read this morning as I was perusing some psychology research I didn't quite understand is that the way that we hear our parents remember, the way that we are asked ourselves to remember as young children, really shapes and determines our capacity for memory as we grow in age. These things not only grow our minds, hearing our parents remember, being asked to remember, but they also make sense of who we are, of our stories. This sort of thing plays out in one of my favorite Disney Pixar films of recent uh, times, Inside Out, and explores just how our memories influence our personality. In this film, if you haven't seen it, there are five major emotions, and they are characterized and brought to life, joy, sadness, envy, fear, and rage, five dominant emotions, and they are personified in They live and inhabit a young girl named Riley who is 11 and who has just made a cross-country move and is really struggling to cope with her sadness. In one of the scenes of this movie, Joy personified, the dominant emotion hopefully in most children, Joy, gives us a rundown of what she describes as core memories. Core memories. Core memories are ones that stand out among our normal memories. They're ones that we hang on to in our brain, the things that stick around that we continue to remember. In the film, they're represented by these glowing orbs that glow even more brightly. And Joy describes that they go on to shape our islands of personality, that our core memories really influence the direction which we take our lives. They're so impactful that they shape who we become. And we make them from early on. 
human beings, though it takes some time for our minds to fully develop and our emotions to fully mature, we are never really pre-social. It's those relationships that we experience from our youngest days that shape who we are and in large part who we will become. No pressure. This concept has resonated with young people so much in recent years that there have even been viral trends on TikTok and Instagram exploring people's core memories and how they've shaped them as they grow. Now I bring this up because at Vacation Bible School we are in the business of helping children make core memories about who God is, who they are, and what church is really all about. This was especially important this year as our VBS theme was monumental and our theme verse comes from Psalm 89, which is why it was substituted in for our first reading today. Psalm 89 two, I declare that your steadfast love is established forever, that your faithfulness is as firm as the heavens. God's love, sisters and brothers, is bigger than we can begin to wrap our heads around. It's, well, it's monumental. And at VBS each year, we are all about helping children create monumental memories. You see, the more chances we have to give children these memories of God's love and of engaging times at church, the more likely they are to make their faith a priority as they grow, the more likely they are to remain active in a worshiping community, the more likely the kingdom of God is to break in all around us bit by bit as they grow. The fun and the silliness of VBS are all too important, even if we adults sometimes like to roll our eyes at it. They are vehicles that help us plant the seeds of God's love in our children. And as our psalm states this morning in verse 15, happy are they who know the festal shout. But our reading from Psalm 89 goes on past what we read today in our scripture printed in our bulletin, and it really shows us why our core memories matter. These things are the things that ground us and root us even in our most trying and harrowing times. The author of Psalm 89 starts off praising God's love and God's faithfulness as we've seen, but as the psalm goes on, he takes a dramatic turn, and he comes to question question in the midst of his own trials and tribulations where the faithful God of love has gone. Later in the psalm, verse 46, he says this, how long, O Lord, will you hide yourself forever? How long will your wrath burn like fire? And again in verse 49, Lord, where is your steadfast love of old by which your faithfulness you swore to your servant David? The background of this change in Psalm 89 is the rupturing and the conquest of the kingdom of Judah by the Babylonian Empire. This took place in 587 BCE. Particularly devastating was the destruction of the first Jewish temple. This is one of the core memories that shapes the entirety of the Old Testament. Much of the Old Testament was written just around this time frame. It's a thoroughly world-shattering event, the likes of which we would be hard find hard-pressed to find a comparison. And the Psalms themselves, in large part, are working out of this deep, raw emotion and response to this event. One of the insights that they reveal to us is that even in our moments of deep hurt and pain and trauma, that we can bring our whole, messy, broken selves before God. The Psalms show us that not only can we do this, but this is actually what 
God wants. That we can only work through those moments of pain and trauma by bearing them before God. We worship a God who doesn't want perfect, sterile people. We worship a God who wants, who desires deep, authentic relationships, even in the midst of all their messiness. I mean, this is why Jesus was born and lived and experienced a human life. And further, this is why we see even Jesus bring some lament to God, that scene, that powerful scene in the garden before his crucifixion. Siblings, God isn't afraid of our lament, of our doubt. Instead, in those moments of deep wondering, we might find God meeting and empowering us in some pretty unexpected ways. And so just a few verses later, we find the psalmist coming full circle. We don't necessarily know how their story ends, but we do see that they have reached down into the depths of their heart. They have laid out their laments before God and that they can find no other ending but that of praise. This is, these are the words that the psalmist prays to close out this psalm. Blessed be the name of the Lord forever. Amen and amen. I've been in wonder this week over what remarkable faith and trust in the mystery of God's will this person must have had to be able to bring that praise in a season of world-shattering sadness and pain. As I've sat with this psalm throughout the week of VBS, as I've prayed it myself, I found myself a bit mystified by the contrast of reading it alongside squirmy, silly, giggly children. And I've wondered this. How does someone get there? In today's world, which is bursting at the seams with more and more noise and more and more content, in a society that's seemingly shaped more and more by doubt, how do we get there? How do we make our faith stick? In today's world, how are we to raise children up to have a faith like that? And it turns out, I think, as you all know, that even though the times change and change they will, it's never going to stop, the method might remain the same. The author of Deuteronomy suggests a way for us to pass down the faith. Hear these words from Deuteronomy chapter 6. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your being, and with all your strength. These words that I am commanding you today must always be on your minds. Recite them to your children. Talk about them when you are sitting around your house and when you are out and about, when you are laying down and when you are getting up. It's Deuteronomy 6, 5 through 7. If that sounds familiar to you, it's because it's, well, it's the exact same thing that Jesus taught in the Gospels as the greatest commandment, albeit with a little bit of educational gloss. Right? If it sounds familiar to you who are v- veterans of VBS, it's because this is the same thing that we do over and over again, year in and year out. We talk about God's love. We paint stories and play games and do crafts to illustrate God's faithfulness to our children. We shout and sing silly phrases and lyrics over and over again. We try our best to make faith stick, to help our children form those core memories of who God is that will serve them throughout their lives, no matter the joys or the sorrows that they might and certainly will come to face. And then day five of VBS comes. We sing our final song, we tuck our kids into their cars as they drive through and go home, and we leave it up to our parents 
to keep talking about these things at home, to keep bringing them up when you're out and about, when you start and when you end your days. I implore our parents this morning, help your children continue to remember just how monumental God's love is. Help them to form faith habits that will shape who they are and who they will come, habits that ultimately have the power to change the world, to bring the kingdom of God to life bit by bit. You don't have to have it all figured out. You don't have to be perfect. All you have to do is be authentically you and be open and intentional about your relationship with God and God will meet you on the way. There's one more thing that VBS might teach us and it's something that's not explicitly recorded in scripture. It's this. That to make our faith stick, we need to have fun and be engaging along the way. I go back to that verse, happy are they who know the festal shout. In today's world, we can't hope to impart the faith to the next generation without a bit of fun. As a church, we have to be a safe and an engaging place for people to grow in their trust and faith in God. We have to be a site where people can connect in meaningful and authentic ways with one another. If you're with us this morning visiting for the first time and if you're looking for a welcoming and engaging place to grow in your faith, a place where you can have a family, where you can make authentic relationships, then you belong here. We've got a place for you at our table. And so sisters and brothers, I'll leave you again this morning by echoing this final thought. The ways that we invest in our faith, they really matter. Much like sailors need a lighthouse to navigate dark nights, or much like the ancients look to the sun and the moon and the stars to map out time and to travel great distances, we all need monuments to help us journey along life's way. These things orient us. These things keep us rooted and grounded no matter what life might throw our way, no matter where life might take us. Thanks be to God that God's love and faithfulness stand as monuments in our hearts, even and especially in those hard times. We can't necessarily give you a GPS of faith. I'd really like to, but I'm afraid God doesn't work like that. But I can promise you that investing in your faith and in the faith of our children can help us find our way, can help them find their way, no matter what might come. And so I encourage you this morning, whether you are a parent or a grandparent or whether you have no kids of your own, Talk about God's monumental love with our children. Make it explicit. Help them to remember it. Help them to form those core memories. And hopefully have a bit of fun along the way. Amen.